Amen. All right, I want to just uh, say quickly now, I'm telling you, all of you need to plan on coming up to the Family Fun Day up at Sand Mountain. If you've never come to that event, you need to come. You're going to enjoy it. We've had a great crowd, great time every time we went. We've had great food. And uh, the Edgies come all the way up from Brunswick, Georgia, and they fix wonderful food. Uh, we're having uh, smoked ribs and chicken, so it was uh, about the same what we're going to have what we had last year. And we're going to be back over in the fellowship or in the dining area. And uh, so we're going to have a great time. So keep that in mind, please. And uh, uh, I know you don't sign up for it, but just plan on coming. And uh, we've had a great time every time we've had uh, that scheduled. And uh, how many of you enjoy yourself when you went up there for that? Good. Well, I hope all of you. So... All right. Would you open your precious Bible tonight to the book of Jonah? The book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. I tell you what, you might as well just go ahead and laugh. Amen. You're going to have plenty of time to cry. That's what my mother said. And you know, I didn't think much about that when I was a young boy because everything was peaches and cream and everything was happy. But I'll tell you, you, do, you shed some tears, don't you? So you better get a laugh when you can. And some folks just provide them for you. So you might as well go ahead and laugh when they do. Amen. All right, Jonah. We're in the book of Jonah. And I don't know about y'all, but I mean, we're moving slow through this, aren't we? And uh, I don't know. I think this is the eighth or ninth message that we brought out of this book. And we're only in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. But we're getting somewhere. And uh, I don't know about you, but chapter 3 is my favorite part of this whole book. And my favorite um, verse in the whole book is verse 1 of chapter 3. It tells you a lot about our God. Look at Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. And the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time saying. Now I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I have a second chance God. I appreciate the one. How many of you glad he gives second chances? How many of you glad and thankful he gives third chances? And fourth chances? And fifth chances? By the way, he does not throw the clay away. And the Bible says in verse 2, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it, into that preaching that I bid thee. In other words, he said, I have a message for you, and it's the message that I will give you. Look at verse 3. So Jonah arose... And went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. And Jonah began to enter into that city a day's journey. And he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Heavenly Father, again we ask you to do what only you can do and speak to our hearts and help us. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I feel like we're getting somewhere now. I mean, this is what the Lord wanted him to do in chapter 1. Now, as we read this, if you're not careful, you really can't put time into this. You just read this like a story. You think this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. But there's a lot that's happened. By the way, he could have already made this journey back in chapter 1. This great revival could have taken place. In chapter 1, if Jonah would have done and obeyed what God told him to do immediately. Now, before we give Jonah a hard time, we, that's a great application for us. 
I wonder how many of us obey the Lord immediately. It should be our desire. And when we think about this, I'm thankful. I mean, when we get to chapter 3, man, I, here, here's what the title of the message is. Finally, we're getting somewhere. Finally, he's doing right. After everything that he's done wrong, he's finally doing right. He's finally going to be that submissive Christian. He's finally going to be the prophet or the man of God that he was supposed to be in chapter 1. And he just had to go through seaweed seminary. He graduated. The classes are done. I think the lessons were learned. I think now we see in chapter 3, obviously we know that there is some lessons that is learned. So finally, here's where we are. We finally, God has a willing and an obedient servant. How about you? How about you? He's definitely got a willing and obedient servant now. Now, it's took some time to get there, but he's got there. Because notice what the Bible says in verse 3. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, this has been his fight the whole time. So now, the Lord's got him in a place of where Jonah has chosen to be willing and obedient to do what the Lord wants to do with his life. Now that's a good question for all of us. Are we there? Are we there? Do you know what most people think when you make that statement to Christians? Are you yielded to the Lord or are you surrendered to the Lord? You know what most Christians think? Oh, he's trying to get me to be a missionary and go eat bugs or to be called to be a pastor. Neither is true. Do you know that God doesn't want everybody to be a missionary? God doesn't call everybody to be a pastor. He doesn't call every man to be a pastor. Could you imagine this whole world if everybody, every man was a pastor? We're talking chickens. You never find them, amen? But God has specifics for each individual person. But here's the key. Are you yielded to what the Lord, are you yielded, surrendered, and obedient for God to use you the way he wants to use you? That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go over to mission field. doesn't mean that you wouldn't. But the key to that is, are you surrendered and willing to be what God wants you to be? That's not just for special people. I, th I think we have this idea that some of these people that are missionaries or people that are in the ministry, they're like a different cut of people. They're really not. They're just people that have surrendered their will to his will. That's it. They have yielded their life to what God wants. Now, that's just as scary for them as it is us. Someone that goes off to a mission field. By the way, we find out here, Jonah had a real problem. He had an anti-missionary heart. He didn't want the Ninevites to get saved. So he had a real big problem. It wasn't that he was satisfied where he was. It wasn't that he was just comfortable where he was. He did not want to see. He disliked these people so much, he didn't want to see them saved. But what is our reasons for not being yielded and surrender to the Lord. By the way, when I was a boy growing up, I thought missionary, and by the way, they are special, and preachers, they are, 
But I thought, man, they must be. No, they're not different. The people in the Bible are not different than anybody here. But the difference is they're willing and obedient and submissive to do what God wants them to do. They've given their life, whatever that might be. Now, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a missionary. I believe if you're a business person in here tonight, you ought to be surrendered to the will of God. No matter what you are, if you are a mother and you're working a 40-hour-a-week job or if you're working a part-time job or no matter where you are in life, you don't have to be a preacher to be yielded to God's will. You should be obedient and submissive to what the Lord wants. That's what God saved us. He didn't just save us to sit soaking sour. He what? He saved us to serve. He wants to use us. Now, we see that finally, we see here that Jonah, he's got him a, a man that is willing and obedient servant. How do we know that? Verse 3 says, because he arose and he went and did exactly what the Lord told him to do. Now, why is he doing this? We know he, God's done told him. I, he said, I have a message for you. So let me just say, number one, this is an urgent matter. Urgent matter. We've been studying the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 21 verse 8. The king's business requires haste. We'll look at that. We've already looked at that. The, the king's business requires haste. Now he's only talking about an earthly king. And an earthly king's business no doubt requires haste. So how much haste, how much earnest haste should be required of the heavenly king? This is an urgent matter. I want you to think about it. Uh, the harvest truly is plenteous, but what? The Bible says, but the what are few? The labors are few. The labors are few. Now, we live in a day where my soul, I can't believe I told Laura the other day, everything's changed since COVID. It amazes me. I, I, I can't understand it. Man, you go places, you go, they, don't, they can't keep the waiters, can't keep the work. It amazes me how many things are not available. They're not being made. They're on back order. And that is all why, because somebody's not working. There's somebody that's not laboring. And somehow we've learned in this country that we can sit at home and still draw a check. But the work of God requires, I wish I could tell you that it was uh, sitting on the couch and, you know, I think some people have the idea that maybe a pastor or somebody in the ministry, they only work on Sundays. Maybe you think that. Maybe you've known that. Maybe you do think that's the way it is. I got news for you. That's not accurate. It's busy. Now, it's not strenuous labor, not all the time, uh, you know, I worked at uh, Honecker Lumber Company and I used to be able to throw 94 pounds of cement on my shoulder. Can't do it no more. But I will say this. I walked over to the church the other day because we did finally get treatment for our termites over there. And I will have to say, I walked back there in our storage area and I looked back there and I said, this is awful. You couldn't even walk back through there. I mean, there was stuff crammed in there up to the ceiling. And you know what? Y'all don't tell nobody, but the preacher went over there on Tuesday morning and cleaned up the whole thing. I actually broke a sweat Tuesday. Can y'all believe that? You say, well, Pastor, why didn't you call anybody? Well, I think it was just good for me to get away and do a little bit of work and just do it in solitude. And I did. But here's what I'm saying. The ministry requires laborers. 
Just good old-fashioned, roll up your sleeves and work. And why? Because it's an urgent matter. I'm not going to... I didn't think about it too long, but I wonder how many people died at Nineveh before Jonah got there. Y'all ever thought about that? While we're tarrying, while we're waiting... This is an urgent matter. I'm going to tell you all something right now. This has to do with people's destinies. People either dying and going to heaven or hell. That's an urgent matter. So I can see why Jonah now, as soon as he got spit up on the dry land, he's getting after it now because it's an urgent matter. And by the way, what is God sending him to do? It's an urgent matter. So what does God use? What does God use? He uses this man, and here's the answer, preaching is the answer. What did he send him there to do? To feed all of them? I'm sure there was poverty in Nineveh, but that was not their greatest need. Did he go there and and heal everybody? I'm sure there was people there that was sick, but that's not what Jonah went there for. God said, I want you to go there for a particular reason, and my answer to their problems is preaching. That's what Jonah did. God commanded Jonah for Nineveh was to preach unto it the preaching. Here's what he said, that I bid thee. Now, here's what I think interesting. You know, man, humans, us, we like to think that we have the answers. And we think that we have the methods of how to communicate those answers. But God tells us how he has chosen to give the answers. And you know what? It's by preaching. That's interesting. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You know what's amazing? Fall's coming. And y'all know what? There will not have to be any trouble filling out and packing stadiums all around this land. People will go to watch football games all through the fall. They won't have any trouble packing them out. But I'm going to promise you this. Many churches in the fall will have empty pews because people exactly feel what God says. Go hear somebody preach. That's foolishness. But see, God said it's through the foolishness of preaching. And by the way, if you're saved, I'm thankful that when I hear the gospel, I praise God that I have accepted the gospel. Don't you? Aren't you glad when you hear the gospel that that is a message that you know and love and you know in your heart that you trust in Christ as your personal Savior and you don't have to fear anymore? You don't have to be doubt anymore? I thank God for the preaching of the cross. I'm glad. That is God's answer. The Bible declares that God hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. We have the answers to man's problems. It is time that we start using God's word. Now, I haven't, said, I haven't mentioned this man in a long time. 
Dr. Phil. It's a pretty popular show. And uh, to be quite honest, it happened to be on the television this evening. And uh, I just happened to be glancing through it. There he was, and so I listened to him for a minute. Man, I'm going to be honest, he got up in this woman's face. And he told her, he said, I'm going to tell you right now. He said, you're the one to blame. And man, he let her have it. But you know what? I, I don't have any trouble with that, I guess. Those people have subjected themselves to that. But you know why I would like Dr. Phil a whole lot better? If he used the Bible. The Bible has the answers to our problems. And that's what God says. It's through the foolishness of preaching. Charles Spurgeon, and I quote, It is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible until you come to talk in scriptural language and your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord so that your blood is bibline and the very essence of of the Bible flows through you. Is that you and I? I'm going to be honest, we live in a day today where, man, most Christians talk more worldly than they do biblical. God help us. He had a message. It was God's message. Preaching was the answer for the great city of Nineveh. Then I want you to notice this, the promptness. We can't help but see that. Now, we're told here that uh, very clearly, that Nineveh was a three days journey. Very clearly. Now, Jonah has learned a great lesson here. He learned a painful lesson. He learned one on promptness. Nineveh was a city, the Bible says, a three days journey. Now, according to verse 3, so Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. But look at verse 4. And Jonah began to enter the city a day's journey. Now, there might be two different... Uh, two different possibilities of this particular passage. Either yes, he ran it and got there less than three days and made it in one. But it could be that the city was so great that it would take three days to cover the whole city. That would probably be a little bit more likely. Because if the Bible says that it took three days, then it took him one day, then he never stopped and never rested. But here's the point. Either way. Whichever one is correct there, whether he made it in one day or even the city was so large it would take three days to go through it. I don't know, but I know this. He was being prompt now. He was being urgent now. I, I, I do believe that. I know that. He didn't tarry. He didn't wait. And I want you to know Nineveh was a large city. No doubt it was going to take a lot of time, but just the first day we see that he was eager to deliver this message that God had given him. Do you know what I've learned about God's word, God's ministry, God's ways, God's will? It's never something about tomorrow. It's never about, God never says this, oh, I want you to get saved tomorrow. Or you can do that later. No, it's prompt. His message is in the present tense, not tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Uh, for us to surrender our life to the Lord, if you put it off, you'll never do it. The Christian life is about living in the present tense, and we're such procrastinators. 
And by the way, that's what Jonah was doing. He procrastinated. He said, no, nah, I'm not going to go the way God told me to go. So he said, I'm going to go down, board the ship. And he went down to Joppa and he went down from there. But I want you to understand something. It is always today. God's word, God's message, God's ministry is always in the present tense. It is today. Think about it. Behold, now is the accepted time. What? Behold, now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Today. Urgent. You know what's killing our churches? No urgency. No urgency. Now, I just mentioned this a moment ago. I like college football. Y'all like college football? You know what I've learned about college football? Man, in the fall, these fall camps... They're getting urgent about stuff. Now they can work with the players. Now they're developing these teams and they're developing. They're getting these young guys in that come out of high school last year. And some of them come in late. Man, they're trying to do what? Urgently trying to teach them the playbook. What? To play football. Now, I'm not going to be ugly with you. You understand this. Football brings a lot of money in. Millions and millions of dollars to schools. There's no doubt about it. But I want to tell you all something. If a football coach can get about 80 young men to be urgent about learning a playbook, that, that, that I can promise you the game of football will not be played in heaven. And it is a sad indictment on the church today that we cannot get the same urgency about the playbook for heaven as a football team can. It's a sad day. Jonah realized something and the Lord had worked in his heart in such a way he said, today, it's prompt. God's matters are urgent. Can I say not only an urgent matter, but I want you to notice, I thank God we see a useful minister here. <laughs> now, this man that had been just vomited out of the ocean by a great fish, now he is preaching a message that God has told him. You know what? I want to say this. There is nothing more satisfying in life than being used of God in some way for his glory. I want to tell you something. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like it being used for God's glory. I'll tell you something right now. There is nothing like knowing that you have had a part in seeing someone repent of their sin and trust Christ as their personal Savior and know that they're going to live in heaven when they die. There's nothing like it. There's not a greater accomplishment than that in life. Do y'all know who one of the greatest soul winners that I've ever rubbed shoulders with? I mean soul winner. I mean soul winner. I mean somebody that was absolutely burdened for souls and not talked about it, went out and went not only just talked about it, but went out with a burden and was consistent at it. And I've been with him. And I just happened to be in a surgery location with him today. And that man's name is Milford White. I want to tell you something right now. He is and has been his whole life a great soul winner. I'm telling you right now, that man, and you say, Pastor, how do you know it? Because I was with him. And by the way, there is a, a, I wouldn't use the word skill. I would use the word touch. I believe it's a touch. God gives certain people a touch. 
And I'll never forget when I went into the hospital with him. I hadn't been here long. And this was a man there. And I mean a rough guy. I mean, this was a guy that had lived a rough life. And he called me. He said, Pastor Mark, he said, uh, I feel burdened for so-and-so. He said, would you go with me? We'll go to the hospital. We'll see this man. I said, absolutely. And we went in. Man, I'm telling you right now. We went in. And I mean, Brother Milford cut through there a little bit. Did a little bit of chit-chat. But boy, he got right down to business. He got down on that bed. And he sat down. And I mean, he just got right up and just... Uh, didn't offend the man at all, just started to talk to him, and this rough guy started to just seem wilt right on the bed. And about that time, boy, he just started opening up about spiritual things. Now, you can tell that he was uncomfortable, but man, I think Brother Milford had such a touch on him, this guy started to talk about spiritual things that you know that he had not talked about in many, many years. I'll never forget that guy looked at us. He said, Brother Milford, he said, I just want you to know, he said, I ain't lived like it. He said, I know there was a time in my life that I was convicted of my sin and I trusted Christ as my Savior. He said, I'm ashamed I haven't lived for him. But I want to tell you something. There is, a, there is nothing like knowing that you have influenced someone's life for the Lord. There's nothing else more exhilarating. Can I get a witness? Can you imagine? I, I, I know there's a... a gentleman in this church has been working on a guy trying to get him to come to church, trying to get him to come to church, trying to get him to come to church. Man, he came the other day. And this, this gentleman was excited. And I was excited that he came. And I thought, man, and I've been praying for this guy that God would work in his heart. Could you imagine the exhilarating Absolutely, you feel like you could take on hell with a squirt gun. If that guy would get saved and the man in our church was the one that kept staying after him, I want to tell this man to keep doing it, keep going after it, because there's nothing like knowing that you've been used in somebody's life for God. Amen. Amen. Useful. And by the way, there's a lot to be done around here. Some people say, well, Pastor... I can't talk. That's all right. We got a lot of work that don't require talk. There's a lot of things that can be done. Why? But he was a useful minister. Here's the key. He certainly wasn't that man that was being caught in seaweed, thrown over the ship, waiting for a great fish. Now he's being useful. Think about this. When we think about our Christian life and even the ministry here in our church, there's nothing, nothing more important. I walked out our deck the other day and and I have failed to keep Thompson's protector on it. It's pretty rough shape. And I got to looking at that. I was like, man, we're going to have to get this thing fixed, replaced. And I got to looking at it. And I thought, man, I wish I knew how to do this myself. And I want y'all to know, y'all don't want me working on anything like that. Y'all want me to stay away from electricity. Amen. Y'all want me to stay away from all this stuff. Dangerous. Y'all know about, y'all about, your pastor about died for every God here. Y'all heard about the dryer at the house. I was so... We didn't have a pigtail that plugged into that, so we went to Home Depot, and all I could think about in my mind is, I got to make sure this pigtail will work. So I go in the house, and I don't, we don't even hook it up to the dryer yet. I stick that pigtail in the socket, and I'm standing there, 
and it starts sparking. And what I don't realize is those two wires and Kevin Altizer, he's like, Pastor Mark. I mean, I just froze. He said, stand still. And I was like, what's the big deal? He's like, Pastor Mark. And he backed me up and he finally got around and he pulled it. He looked at me and I mean, sweated and started beating down off his He's like, Pastor Mark, he said, I love you. He said, and I've seen some stupid things done. But he said, there's never been a more stupid thing than what you just did right there. It didn't even dawn on me. So what I'm trying to say to y'all, don't let me mess with electricity. But I looked out there at that deck and I thought, you know what? I wish I could do all that. I, but you know what? Even more important, and I, and I know you probably think, well, what was you thinking like that? I said, I know one thing, though. I know that wood might have a shelf life, but people don't. And I thought, you know what? That might rot, but I'll tell you right now, people won't. And you know what it did for me? I thought, you know what? We need to get busy at getting uh, (laughs) excited about the things that will last, and that's people. See, he was a useful I can never forget Mr. Pilkett and my preacher growing up. He said this all the time. Only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. I heard him say that twice. I heard him say it a thousand times. It's so very true. Then can I say, not not only a useful messenger, but can I say there was a pliable messenger. (laughs) Jonah was now ready to preach the message that God had given to him. And, you know, I'll just say this. I think pliability is the greatest ability. Pliability, being willing, being moldable clay, I think is more important than any talent, any skill that we have. So there was no doubt about it. And then I want to just say, he preached the message that God had him to preach. Um, I want to say, this is the only book that you can copy and not get in trouble for plagiarizing. And I'm going to be honest. I think we have done great disservice. And I know I've seen some. They'll start with the Bible. Then they kind of like lay it aside. And then preach what they want to preach. But you know what? We ought to be. The answers are in this book. And he gave them the message that God would have him give. And then as I close tonight. I want to say. The message was not a happy one. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if you'll look at verse 4, the Bible said, And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not a very happy message. <laughs> that's not the, exactly the kind of sermon that uh, wins friends. That's not the kind of message that builds your attendance up at church. Hey, that's not, you know, that's not the kind of uh, uh, message you preach if you want a good love offering. It's just not. But it was what God wanted to preach. And you know why? Because God said their wickedness has come up before me. Can I say he talked to them about the wrath of God? And that's something we don't really hear much about today. But judgment was about to fall on these people. And Jonah was commissioned to give these people a final warning. And y'all know as well as I do, look, judgment's getting ready to fall. 
Are we warning people? You know why we don't warn people? We're scared of how they'll respond. But are we warning people? He warned these people. And God has given us a responsibility to warn people. Y'all know judgment's coming. People say, oh, God's a God of love. He sure is. But he's also a God of judgment. He's a holy God. And I want to say, God has given, he gave them a window of grace. He gave them 30 days. No, 40 days. He said, in 40 days, I'm going to give you 40 days to repent. Or he said, I'm going to overthrow your city. And Jonah gave them that message. You know what? We have a God that gave them a time of grace. You know what? We're living right now that God has given us a time of grace. And you know what we ought to be busy doing? We ought to be warning people. We ought to be telling people. We ought to be sharing with people. We don't have to go to people and say, I'll tell you right now, if you don't get saved, you're going to split hell wide open. But there's a way to warn, and we ought to warn. How many of y'all remember, how many of you got saved and you were saved in a church service? Would you raise your hand, you got saved in a church service? I got, I got convicted at a church service. I didn't get saved until I walked across the street with my mother. She led me to the Lord at the house. But I got convicted in a church service. And I'm going to tell y'all, the preacher that day preached on hell. And as a five-year-old boy, I'm just going to be honest with you, he warned me of hell, and I took the warning. People need to be warned. And if you know, if you know what salvation is and you know how good God is and you know how much peace and salvation brings you, we don't only have to just warn people, we can share with people how good God is to us. Ain't God good to give us so many blessings undeserving? That's what we are. I want to thank him. Love and praise him a little bit today and a whole lot more tomorrow. Thank God he's been good to me. Has he been good to you? You know, you can witness and share people. You don't have to just, you can warn, but you can warn people lovingly. You can warn them trying to live life without a wonderful Savior. Amen. And that's exactly what Jonah did. And we're going to see the results of that. In the next message, but I want to say to you tonight, God has given us the same responsibility that he has given Jonah. We should be warning others. My good friend, Brother Tim McCauley, resigned his church just the other day. He, he got on, he came on with helps. And I love the theme of his church. Here was the theme of his church down in Calhoun, Georgia. It was loving people to life. Loving people to life. That was the theme. Like our church is a church of the heart. Theirs was loving people to loving people to life. And I love that. And I'm thankful. God loves us to life. Amen. I don't know what life would be without him. Can you imagine people trying to live without him? We ought to warn them in a loving way. They're missing out. How many of you believe that they're missing out? They're not living for the Lord. How many of you are glad that he is your personal savior? Amen. Your shepherd, you shall not want. There's nothing like it. And I'm thankful that he gives life and not just life, but he gives it more abundantly. Can we 
be the warners? Can we be the testifiers? Can we be the ones going out and warning people? Why? It's an urgent matter. It's an urgent matter. And God has given us a time of grace. Here after a while, trumps go sound. And when the trump sounds, we that are saved are going on up out of here. But that's why it's so important that we warn people why God has given them an opportunity. Amen. Let's take this as an urgent matter. Let's pray together tonight. Would you stand to your feet? Let's remember all of these folks that we prayed for tonight. Let's pray for them throughout the week. Uh, let's be praying for Sunday, the services. Uh, we had several visitors last Sunday and was told that they're going to be returning and coming back. And they're young families with young children. Let's pray about all of that. And I believe that everybody ought to have a home church, don't you? Yeah. And uh, let's pray that God works in our hearts. And let's be busy the rest of this week trying to get people uh, to warn them of how good it is that God will save them, and that they ought to live their life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we've uh, been looking at the life of Jonah. What a life. What, uh, what a direction he was going. But now, Lord, we see that he's uh, where you want him to be. And he's saying what you want him to say. And Lord, we know now that through history that uh, the result takes place that you were going to have it to happen that, that way. And Lord, we know that there were many people that got saved and they repented of their sin. And so, Lord, we know that the day is the same. Lord, you've given us a period of grace. Lord, we don't know if it's 40 days or 40 years. We do not know. But, Lord, we know that your business is urgent. So I pray you'll help us to take this to heart and that we will follow you, be submissive and willing to be about your business in these days. Well, thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great evening, great night.